Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. One and all, and welcome to Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. I'm Joe Haddo, and wherever you are in the world, I hope you're safe and well. And thank you once again for choosing Book Off for your listening pleasure. We know there are a lot of podcasts and book podcasts out there, so the fact you've chosen us is a really lovely thing. And of course, I'd understand if the reason that you've chosen us today specifically is to listen to the two fabulous guests that are joining me. My first guest started her career in TV production, but quickly moved to being in front of the camera, making documentaries that included investigations into childbirth, size zero, breast cancer, and the film Dirty Dancing, of course. A former columnist for Glamour, her journalism has appeared in multiple publications, and now, as well as being a full-time writer, she's also the co-founder and director of Choose Love Inc. She's the best-selling author of The Cows and So Lucky, and is here to talk about her latest novel, Cat Lady, all the way from Los Angeles, California. Dorno Porter, welcome to you. Thank you so very much for having me. It's wonderful to see you and lovely to have you here. And my second guest is one of the UK's most treasured broadcasters, it says here, and a highly acclaimed author as well. He's won nine BAFTAs and you can count them, ladies and gentlemen, for best entertainment performance and best entertainment programme. He presents the Graham Norton Show and he's showing me them there on the shelf as we speak uh, because I needed the proof. Um, it, did, it did sound unlikely, so I thought I'd better show them to you. <laughs> and he's also a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. His books, Holding, A Keeper and Home Stretch, all became instant bestsellers, the first of which was recently made into an ITV drama. You've probably seen it. And was a Radio 2 book club pick, a sign of great quality, if I do say my, so myself, and I would because I pick them. And it was at Radio 2 where we first met and where he hosted his Saturday morning show for many years, but now can be heard every weekend on Virgin Radio. Here to tell us about his latest novel, Forever Home, it's Graham Norton. Hello to you. Hello to you. Lovely to be here. Hi, Dawn. Hi. Hi, Graham. Now, you don't need an introduction, really, do you? Because you know each other. You're mates, aren't you? We've met well, along the way. We've met. Graham's interviewed me a few times. I, I always say how lovely you were to be interviewed by on um, on your radio show, because once I brought my dad with me, and he was so excited to meet you, and you were utterly adorable with him, and <laughs> he just felt wow. very special that day. And I think that's the sign of a nice person, Graham. Well, I was obviously in a good mood that day. <laughs> so, so, somewhere else, and he was so rude to my father. <laughs> but I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad I met. I met you both on a good day. Yeah, me too. And uh, of course, you'll be doing an event together in a few weeks' time, which is very exciting. I've heard uh, Dawn's flying in especially for you, Graham. So that's uh, mm, yeah. Good. The bright lights of Tunbridge Wells. How could she say no? How could she say no from <laughs> Hollywood am, to Tunbridge Wells? They've cleared a space in a local field. I'll be flying directly in. <laughs> uh, and over the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to talk about your brilliant new books uh, and your writing. We're going to get some recommendations of some things that you've been reading and enjoying recently. And of course, we will do The Book Off, where each of you gets three minutes uninterrupted to tell us about a book that you love and you think everyone should read. But before all of that, uh, Graham, let's talk about Forever Home, if I may. OK. <laughs> um, so this is a book about finding love for the second time. It's, amongst other things, um, a lovely heartfelt story. Could you introduce us to Carol, perhaps, and just set up her story for us here? 
Yeah, I mean, Carol is divorced. She's in her late 40s and she's got an adult son. And she's getting on okay in life. And then she finds love for the second time with an older man called Declan. And his wife left him years ago and he's got two adult children as well. And all it's great. And then Declan becomes ill. And of course, you know, if you're older and in a not very long relationship, there's no stability. You've got no security. So he gets put in a home. His adult kids turf uh, Carol out of the house and then Carol's parents who I love uh, Moira and Dave they're my favourite characters uh, they become sort of moral warriors and decide (laughs) to fight for her rights and uh, in doing so stir up a whole mess of trouble heap of stuff (laughs) drama ensues plot thickens etc the end (laughs) exactly and I've actually written here a word for Moira and Dave were they as fun to write as they were to read <laughs> they really were I mean when I when I met you know it is, it's so weird I mean before I became a writer and I would interview writers and they would talk about you know characters having life of their own I would just roll my eyes and go oh for god's sake shut up <laughs> uh, but of course it is true because you're writing and then you you've, you've created Carol you've created and then you meet her parents and then they come to life on the page and I did love them and what what I was surprised about Warren Day was they brought the funny I wasn't expecting this book to be funny at all because it's a very dark premise and it's quite a bleak uh, opening to the book yeah. but Moira and Dave are just funny particularly Moira Moira is a funny character so uh, suddenly there were sort of elements of farce in this book yeah. uh, because she's a she's an old lady who shows that she loves you by doing rather than saying very much so. and is that have you drawn there Graham on some um, uh, relatives or people that you might know for the character of <laughs> <laughs> relatives, hmm. um, I, my mother, my mother hasn't read this book yet. Okay, right. <laughs> and Moira isn't my mother. I must be clear, Moira isn't my mother. But my mother, if she's reading closely, and indeed not that closely, she will <laughs> recognise some verbal tics that my mother has, and particularly that thing of her version of driving in silence. My mother's driving in silence is actually. A monologue, uh, just a monotone monologue as you drive of everything you pass. So she always says washing out, that dog will get killed, I wouldn't want to live there. Uh, And it's kind of the same, it doesn't change that much until you arrive where you get going and then you've parked wrong. And that is, that's my mother not saying anything in the car. And Moira has that. She's such a brilliant character, as you know, as they both are, as Dave as well. Um, and Dawn, your your new novel is Cat Lady, as we said. Yes. It's about forming friendships. It's about defying labels. Um, could you introduce us to, to Mia and, and set up her story as well for us? So Mia, at the start of the book, feels like she's got it all together. She is the managing director of a jewelry brand. She has a husband. She has a stepson. She owns a house. It feels very ordered. However, you'll see hints that she comes from a past far more chaotic than this and that her daily process is avoiding chaos, avoiding chaos, avoiding chaos. Over the course of uh, the first half of the book, bit by bit, the order starts to slip away and she finds herself in a place of extreme chaos again and, in my opinion, has a pretty spectacular meltdown. And um, the book really is about her rebuilding her life and finding her people. One of the big themes from the book is pet grief. And she mm. finds her people in a self-help group for people that have lost their pets, which is not necessarily the kind of people that she would be surrounded by in the life that she'd chosen for her. So I guess the overarching theme of the book or the question that the book poses are, are you living the life that you want to live? Or the life that you feel you're supposed to be living. Mm-hmm. And um, cats are very important, obviously, um, to Love this a book, cat. to you as well. How many <laughs> yes, do you have? You got, have you got two? I've, I've currently got two, and yeah. my, uh, I don't know if I've said this publicly yet, I <laughs> stuffed my cat of 16 years when she died in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> So I have two and a half cats with a half of myself. No, and actually, to be very clear, I didn't I didn't stuff her, I had her freeze dried, and it's a very different process. So um okay. she, I she died you. she died in twenty twenty when the world went mad. 
And I'd always joked that I would do it. And it was so sudden and so sad and everything was crazy and nothing was right. And would the world ever be the same again? And I was just like, right, let's just want, add one extra weird thing for the year. <laughs> and, um, and so I did it. And so she went into a, um, a chamber where she was dehydrated for 10 months and came out perfectly preserved and now sleeps forever on a dining table in my dining room. I'm on a dining chair wow. in my dining room. Yes, it's, um, it's a lot. And if you need a minute, that's okay. Thank you. <laughs> Graham does she look? Minute, does she look thinner? Does she look thinner in death? No, but she signed me, so she already looked like um, she had issues. But she, um, no, she looks just as she did on the day that she died. Curled up, eyes closed, ears up, nice and sleepy. Wow. Yeah. Yes, it's a, it's a thing. <laughs> and I have to say, I've got, so I currently have two other cats and I have two dogs. <laughs> and our dog died in, um, in, January of last oh, year, funny. this year. But I know it's all, it's okay. I, when you do something like that in your life, you have to be on the funny side of it. There's no point in me doing that and being horrified and upset by everyone who reacts. So I do find it fun and I'm very pleased that I did it because um, if I ever run out of conversation, I've got a real banger <laughs> to come in with. But when my other, when my dog died and with the cats I have now and the two, I would never do that to another pet. It was very specifically that cat and what she represented to me and how she'd seen me through my entire adult life until that point. So can I just ask, the, the two cats you have now, did they yes. live with the cat who's now permanently asleep on a dining room chair? No, they didn't. When the dining room um, chair cat died, let's call her Lilu, and um, I immediately, the next day, realised that I just cannot, I cannot live without a cat. So around four weeks later, I went and um, rescued two kittens. Oh. And then I and then I had to kind of bring home the dead one ten months later and present it, and mm. they sniffed around it and then thought it doesn't smell like a cat. Not bothered. <laughs> Fine with it. Just leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, okay. you asked that question and you got quite a lofty answer. Didn't I'm you? really pleased. I did. I, I'm <laughs> genuinely pleased. I did. I thought that was going to be one of those throwaway. Yes, I've got two, and we'd move on. Uh, but actually, I'm, we, we've got a lot of gold there, and I bet the people of Tunbridge Wells are going to be really interested. To oh God, yeah. this is now. This is now. I'm so bringing it up again. Okay. <laughs> Grace made a note. Uh, can I just say, Joe? I'm being really restrained. I have so many more questions. Yes. <laughs> oh, and I'm here for but it's, but it's your my, podcast, so I'm backing off. When, when, when I did it, my husband said, um, you just, you can't tell people this. And so I've kept it in for a good year. <laughs> now I'm ready. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> oh, bless you. Um, well, thank you for sharing. Uh, and and thank, you, thank you for making it this podcast. Um, and a bit like Graham's book, the, the, the humour, a lot of the humour in your book as well comes from this great cast of characters that you've created dawn um some that i think the reader will sort of love to hate as well so yes. did you have a lot of fun with with these with this sort of you know the supporting cast as it, as it was i always love supporting cast and i'm halfway through graham's book and i love the parents as well and <laughs> I, I um i in one of my other books my the parents a small character were also my favorite characters in the whole book and i think that's where you know your your main character has to drive this story and if they're just continuously funny that's not a realistic person if they're mm. continuously sad they're not a realistic person so what you have with your other characters is this opportunity to bring light to moments when you're you know your main character is going through a hellish time and that's why they're always so fun to write and when you exactly like Graham was saying you meet them like I was doing this I created this pet support group and those characters I hadn't drawn those characters before I started the book I met them in the room when I was writing them and then got to know them as the book went on and really your supporting characters can do whatever you want and it just gives you a real clean line to follow with your main characters so no they're always the best and it, I always think like which one of these could have a spin-off series <laughs> which one of these could you like take into a different world and it's really I think you've written a good character when you think you could do that with a number yeah. of them yeah oh absolutely right yeah and um I'm so glad you said it because you I can I, I could tell that you sort of love that supporting cast of characters part of it as well and that they're very important to the story um Graham I mentioned the tv adaptation of Holding that was on ITV. Um, I wondered if that... I don't, I don't know how the timeline of that worked with writing this one, but does does an adaptation make you think differently when you're going into writing your next novel? Do you think more sort of visually about it at all? It's weird because you think it would. You yeah. know, logic would would dictate that, yes, now that I've seen uh, it, it's stood on its feet and the, you know, the light of cameras on it. But in fact, no. I, I find when I'm writing the book, I'm so in that. Like to the point where I don't even think about the audiobook. 
you know, whereas because I do the audiobooks for these. So, uh, and then I get to it and I'm turning the page and I'm going, oh God, they talk. And oh, geez, I've given them an accent. What was I thinking? And, and you know, you'd think I'd be least able to think that far ahead, but no, no. Uh, so absolutely not. No, I, I, the, it's, it's, and I've heard other people talk about this too, that I think sometimes, I think Anne Cleves now writes Vera for Brenda Blethyn. Like Brenda yeah. Blethyn has become Vera in her head. But, you know, that's a relationship that's been going on for years. Um, but I, no, I, I, I don't find it at all. But interesting, I don't think she writes, if, if she's writing any more of them, the Shetland ones, or she didn't write any of the Shetland ones with that cast in mind. So no. it's interesting how that, you know, for uh, an author who's had two big TV, three big TV series, you know, has only, it's only happened to one. But I, yeah, I think you're right. I think she's sort of got Brenda in in her head which is probably quite strange as well to have started out with an image of your character in your mind and then to be thinking oh right no it's her yeah but also it's it's the same when you read a book sometimes you read a book and you've seen the film or you've seen the tv show and actually you read the book and it's totally separate you 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 reshoot it in your head and then sometimes no the film whoever they cast is so indelible that you you can't escape them as you read the book yeah um, I remember being invited to a very fancy hodder dinner at Café de Paris in central London a few years back, Graham. And it was then that your debut novel was revealed at this sort of party. Um, and as I recall, I kind of might have made this up, you sort of stood quite high up in a spotlight and had to read, a, and had to read an extract from the book. Do you remember this? Yeah, like, yeah, like I was yeah. Ava Perron, yeah. I remember. <laughs> You sort of came out on this Café de Paris balcony while we were all sat downstairs looking up at you. Do you remember this? Yeah, it wasn't just me. Other people had to do it too. <laughs> no, that's true. No, it was, there was yes. a... Yes. Um, I, I will name no names. I will name no names. But one of my favourite things about that night was uh, I was standing backstage with someone who'd written an historical novel. And it was, you know, I, I don't know when it was said, but anyway, it said, and, uh, and I was just making small talk. And I went, oh, all the research. It must have been so hard to do all the research. And she went, not really, it's horses and candles. <laughs> that is fantastic. And also a great title for a novel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> horses and candles, down. isn't it? Yeah. Horses and candles. <laughs> um, but the reason of bringing the Eva Perone moment up was, I just wondered if you ever thought but then, you know, at the launch or, you know, the, the very beginning of your debut novel going out into the world, if you'd be all, you know talking about your fourth novel six or seven years later no i i didn't absolutely not and it's that thing where you know back then when i was talking about holding i had the you know the worst case scenario in my head what you know how badly could this go yeah. and of course the worst case scenario is it's terrible you know everyone says it's the worst novel ever written it gets awful reviews your friends love it and uh but then I go back to my day job. You know, it would have been humiliating for, you know, a few weeks. Mm -hmm. But actually, I, I would get past it. Most people who watch uh, my TV chat show, they don't know that I write novels. You know, uh, so, <laughs> I, I, you know, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. But it would have yeah. been, you know, like, I, I think, for, I don't know if you feel the same way, Dawn, where you're, you're known for something else and then you decide to write a novel. Yeah. You know, there is a risk of humiliation. <laughs> well, and it just takes a minute for people to um, to accept that you've done it and that you'd be not good at it. But um, I, 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 when, you're, when, you're, when they're used to seeing you in a certain guise on TV as being quite, like we would both be quite funny on TV and, you know, a bit silly, for them to take us seriously in what people think an author is can take a minute. But I feel like you got there pretty quickly, Graham. Well, I do, uh, like when I do book events now, I dress up as a writer. I'll often wear corduroy. Excellent. <laughs> Will you be bringing the, the corduroy to Tunbridge Wells is what we all want to know. I don't know. I have about three writer looks. So okay. we'll see what Dawn gets. I am <laughs> so excited about your outfit. I, I actually have, I, I blogged about the fact that I was doing this the other day. 
And I said, oh, I hope you can come, guys, because obviously we're both going to be wearing incredible outfits. And then I almost thought at the end of the blog, I forgot to mention the book. <laughs> <laughs> and also we'll be discussing his book, of course. <laughs> well, a, a little bit. A little yeah. bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one thing that, um, I, one of the many things I enjoyed about both of these books and took away from them is is the the warmth in, in some of the characters and, and the tone. And in your previous books as well, Graham, that warmth is I think so important at the moment I think people are maybe seeking it a bit more than perhaps they did in 2019 and I wondered if that reflected with you um, from your readers from the way that you are approaching writing stories now because yes um, crime is doing very well and hard-boiled stuff and you know that's always going to have a place but actually sometimes I think we need a little bit of a hug from a book I mean, I know what you mean. I don't know if if you had this, Dawn, but when, you know, I was writing this Forever Home and the world was falling apart around Mm -hmm. her ears, I did slightly lose my faith in, you know, the idea of this little novel about a family drama in West Cork and kind of thought I should be, you know, this should be an issue-based novel or it should be the state of the nation or something, you know, the sort of thing I could not write. And then you have to remind yourself, no, stories are so important. Mm-hmm. Stories are key. You know, at the beginning of time, we sat around telling each other stories. And as we march off to Armageddon, we will be telling each other stories. Yeah. And and I think, it's, you know, you can't <clears throat> underestimate the importance of those stories. Because, yes, they're a distraction, but it's also shining a light on all sorts of of different things I don't know did you feel the same way Dawn where I did and also it's the kind of books I like to read where I I don't necessarily have to you know be like really see myself in a character but I have to relate to what they're going through in some way and I really felt like I I would never even attempt to write uh, a novel that wasn't a small warm story about a small group of people I could I I just I, I can't I am in absolute awe of people that do but um, I really felt that after the pandemic, I, I knew, well, after, as it lingers on, I um, I absolutely wanted to write a story about loneliness. And I was thinking about all the different ways that loneliness exists. And a lot of people are lonely, even though they have a family and they have everything that they think they should need. And I think that there is there were a lot of people after the pandemic who might have been in a busy house and they weren't literally alone, but felt like they were. And sometimes, and the answer to loneliness is people you know people that love you and that you love and you feel comfortable with and I don't think there's anyone um, no matter what life they live that doesn't enjoy to read a story of um, someone finding love in whatever capacity that is I just don't I just Mm. don't think if there is a human who doesn't enjoy like a very all this stuff can happen in the book but the, the 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 main thing that happens at the end is this person ends up being okay is it's lovely when you just shut that last page with a ah, yeah leaves you feeling good yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's done its job hasn't it yeah it's done its job exactly absolutely yeah um that's that's really interesting and and exactly sort of what i thought because i've seen a, uh, recently this year 2022 quite a lot of hugging a book novels and mm-hmm. um they've been very welcome in my house and I know it at other people's as well yeah few <laughs> yeah. Um, as as will these two uh, be I'm sure um, Joe have you talked to many people who've who've dealt with corona in their books I, I just ignored the it's very I, I would say it's rare that that, that anyone's um, bothered bothered <laughs> yeah there, it's a weird Val thing Val McDermott did it I think um, in a crime novel Okay. And I think crime's the only genre that I know of that has actually dealt with it because they want they want to talk about the politics of now and the state of now. But I well, don't Jody know Pico any... did a thing with "Wish You Were Here." Yes, true. Which yeah. hers is a big COVID novel, but oh, wow. I but I just kind of thought, oh, you know, and also that's because the one it's where someone goes to an island. Hmm? Someone goes to an island, and then that's the that's, that's Jodie yeah. Pico one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She she, go, she goes to an island sort of the day before everything shuts down. Yeah. I did mention it once in the book, and even then I really questioned whether I should. There's a moment where Mia is sitting next to someone in a pharmacist, and the woman coughs and goes, it's not COVID. And then that was it. That's my only mention of it in the whole book, just to kind of... And I went, I kept taking it out and putting it in and taking it out and putting it in, thinking, is that really distracting? But I do think for the next few years, every time you cough, you will just assure everyone around you that it's not COVID. So <laughs> this kind of this novel could sit anywhere in the next 10 years. But the the thing about COVID also... I think 
I don't I don't know if I I don't want to revisit it right now. <laughs> no. I don't want to I don't want my my <laughs> My, my great pleasure in my life, which is reading, to be about that. And so I think most authors, I'm glad that there are some, and I think in a few years I'd love to go back. But right now, the last thing I... See, I told you my husband would walk in and slam the you door did. loudly. You did, you um, did. <laughs> right on cue as well. I'm home! Um, <laughs> so I am... Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I just think right now it's just a bit too soon. I don't think... I don't think I don't think we need it. And once you've gone in there, you it's got to be all in, hasn't it? Mm. Can't just yeah. I think so, yeah, I think so. But also because it's also specific, you know, because, and how do you get that into a book? Kind of like, oh, you're allowed to come into my house, hello, welcome. And those two other people can also come into my house, but no more. And <laughs> yeah. then later in the book, well, ten of us can have this barbecue. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's it great. is quite hard, though. It is quite hard <laughs> in terms of presuming that we will now be writing books that are post-COVID. And it's... Surely we're, we're just getting to the point where it's just artistic license to pretend that the pandemic never happened in a book. Yes, well, that's, what, that's what I did. Well, there you go. So, but I'm writing my my book is about I'm um, three people and a, who live in a house which is quite tense with the presence of an ex wife that won't go away. And the reason why I battled with whether to put it in is because their COVID experience would have been extraordinary. And how would they have managed, you know, two parents that weren't together and a stepchild? And what does that look like? But I just knew if I went into it, I'd have to go really into it. And it was just like, well, it's, it just can't have happened. Mm-hmm. It's, but it was, it was a very, I really battled with, with how to deal with that. But like you say, Dawn, I think readers will thank you for it because I'm not sure people are, c- are coming to novels to read about it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just, I think we're, we're almost doing the exact opposite. We're, we're wanting to read and escape and be in different worlds and things, you know, and that's, that's the joy of yeah. literature. But then um, you think all these years later how popular World War Two books are, for example. Yeah. I wonder in like 40 years if there's just yeah. going to be this onslaught All of these COVID love literature. stories that are going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always love to ask my guests what they've been reading and enjoying recently. It's an awful question because when anyone asks me, I go completely blank and I kind of like go blah, blah, blah. I'm sure I've read something in the last, you know, 10 years. Um, is there anything you want to shout about quickly? Any authors that you picked up old or new? Any books coming out or that you want to sort of talk about very briefly? Well, I will say that I'm halfway through Graham's book and I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, cause, and I'm saying that because that's literally what I'm Ding. reading at the moment. Very good. <laughs> um, <laughs> Can I be honest about a different experience reading a book that I just had that isn't Ooh, necessarily yes. isn't necessarily positive? So I um I have a Patreon blog where we do a book club every week and uh, every, that makes me sound like a really fast reader every month and um, <laughs> and the book that I chose now I'm really 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 not um slagging this book off. It's a simple case that it just wasn't a book for me. Yeah, that's this a book good. is a it's a Pulitzer Pulitzer I can't even say it. Pulitzer Prize winner, a international bestseller. I'm going to say the book and you're both going to tell me you loved it. But it was <laughs> A Visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer, Jennifer Egan. Read it? Nope. Have you? No? Nope. Okay. So, I've heard firstly, of it. yes. And my yeah, friend Louis, apparently Louis, it's very good. It's very good. <laughs> Louis Theroux actually recommended it to me. But he is so much cleverer than I am. So that's the last time I'm going to take a recommendation from him. But there would be... I. Firstly, I made the mistake of listening to this book. And then when you look at it on the page, it's written in different formats. The audio just doesn't work. Um, also, there well, are... I've just remembered. So- is it set in an office? No. Okay. <laughs> no. It's... Um, <laughs> but it, it is... There are so many characters. And it is a book made up of lots of little stories that link together in various ways. And... I, it was just so beyond me. I couldn't focus. Like, I need... Graham, the reason I love your book... It's a small story with some really tight characters and you're in the same space. And when I start to read it, I know exactly where I am and I'm following the story and no offence, but you're not too clever for me, which I really like. I'm putting that on the cover. (laughs) The cover of the paperback. Not too clever, Dawn O'Porter. But it's it's just a pleasure to read. I don't feel like I'm being challenged. I don't read to be challenged. I'm not that person. And so even though there were times when I would be able to focus and I would listen to it on the audio and think that was a beautiful piece of writing. That was what I caught there was stunning. And then what the fuck is going on now? Who's this? Wait, what? And I just had a Mm. really tough time. So when it came to my book club, I host the Zoom 
And I was so nervous. Like that morning, like my heart was beating. I was like, I'm hosting this. How can I say I didn't understand this book? I didn't enjoy it. And as everyone kind of joined the Zoom, I could just tell by their faces that they felt the same way. And it was a lovely conversation about basically that this wasn't the book for us, which gave us as much to talk about as yeah. if it had been. But we all just realized I will never pick up a book again that has Pulitzer's up, still can't say it, prize winner on the front. <laughs> it's just not for me at all. And it's interesting that the... Um, you say the audio just didn't work as well that's very yeah. interesting that some books maybe can't actually be you know directly translated into audio without without actually changing but also sometimes it's just the voice isn't it sometimes it could, be, yeah. it could be a great book but if you have the wrong voice you'll suddenly go oh i stopped listening and i yeah. don't know if it was a minute ago or 20 minutes ago but you know so yeah those are the those are the that's when audio does not work well, I'll tell you when it really doesn't work. When Fifty Shades of Grey became such a phenomenon, I, was like, I, have to, I couldn't bear to read it. So I was like, I'll just listen to it while I'm walking the dog. And the audio was so annoying. I was like, so I got into about two chapters and just let the phenomenon pass me by. <laughs> wow. My sister works in a library in West Cork and there's a basket where people can put, you know, the books they don't want anymore. Uh, and then people can come in and pick up a book that someone's dropped in the basket. It is a basket of Fifty Shades of Grey. Stop it's just, it. That's so funny. It's just <laughs> piled high with copies of Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, my I still wish I'd written it, though. <laughs> <laughs> There's still time. There's still time. When people say, what book do you wish you read? And I'm, I wrote, and I'm like, Fifty Shades of Grey. I absolutely wish <laughs> that I'd written that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Also, I don't think... Um, She's getting stopped in the street much or anything, is she either? Do you know what I mean? So I think she she lives a bit of anonymity as well from it. So it's quite yeah, probably quite a nice position to be in, really. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With all that <laughs> cash. Uh, what about you, Graham? Have you read and enjoyed or not enjoyed something recently? Um, I have. No, I've I've had a bit of a, a good streak at the moment. Hmm. I, I read uh, Emma O'Donoghue, or just Emma Donoghue, isn't it? Um, yep. Haven. Yes. Um, and weirdly, actually, just at the start of lockdown, I don't know if you remember this, she brought out a book uh, at the start of lockdown called The Pull of the Stars. She did. She was on this podcast talking about it. Oh, was she? The Spanish yeah. flu epidemic. And it was so zeitgeisty and it's weird. so mad, and, isn't it? And I didn't love reading about a uh, pandemic. But then at the end, what was lovely was that that pandemic ended. Yes. So it was like light at the end of the tunnel. But this this new one was she on talking about Haven on the, on here or was that not Haven? No, she was on talking about um, the one you just said. Um, oh, the pull of the stars. Yeah, the pull so of the stars. So ha Haven is the new one, and it's about these three monks uh, in the Middle Ages who uh, head off on a boat, and they found a monastery on this little rock. It, well, it's a real monastery and it's a real rock. It's the Skelligs just off um, the Kerry coast in Ireland. And you always look at these kind of weird, just dry stone walls and a little hut. And you think, who the hell did this? And she obviously had the same question. So she went, I'm going to write about this. But, and, it, and it sounds quite uh, dry, but in fact, it's, it's got quite a good plot driver and it's got a great twist at the end. And it's brilliantly imagined because it's about... Mm you know, that kind of blind faith and where blind faith will take you. And I think what she does really well is just she she shines a light on such quirky, weird little bits of human nature uh, that are, you know, little slivers of it are in us. And she just goes, right, mm. I'm going to do a whole book on that <laughs> quirk. And uh, no, I really enjoyed that. Oh, great. She's yeah, brilliant. I love uh, Emma. Yeah, she's brilliant, isn't she? Haven, I haven't got to that. So thank you. I'll uh, make a note of that one. If that's what um, it's called. If indeed that's what <laughs> <Right>. it's called. <laughs> As you said it then, I just thought, oh, is it called Haven? <laughs> Emma I'm not very good at book titles. Google, new book. There we go. We'll see what comes up. <laughs> um, thank you for those. Uh, and it's time now for another recommendation because it's time for the book off where each of you gets three minutes uninterrupted if you wish to use it to tell us about a book you love that you think we should all read ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Very often guests say are you asking for my favorite book and I say no I'd never do that because I don't think there can be such a thing um and if someone asked me for my favorite book today it would change tomorrow so it's just a book that you want everyone to you know you want to thrust into people's hands and say if you haven't read this oh my god you absolutely have to and uh, before we find out what you're pitching and hear your fabulous pitches um we've got to do a bit of admin um the person who's traveled the furthest always gets to decide whether they go first or second so that's you dawn from cool. from the west coast uh would you like to go first or do you want to see what graham's made of I think Graham should absolutely go first. I think you're right. Cow. (laughs) (laughs) I was so thinking, well, I'll listen to Dawn and then while she's talking, I'll I'll formulate my thoughts. (laughs) I'll remember the name of the book. And Um, and as I said, there there are three minutes available. Some people choose to use them and, and, and get wrung out and honked out at the three minute mark. Some people bring it in nicely on, in the time. Um, Graham, at the three minutes, if you're still talking, would you rather the school bell to ring you out or the bicycle horn? Oh, let's have the bicycle horn. Yeah. Let's have the horn. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Always the horn. Yeah. yeah. Just always. before I. Uh, always the horn. Before we set the timer in motion, just tell us which book you're putting forward, please. I am putting forward Kindred by Octavia E. Butler. Fantastic. All right, three minutes on the clock. Over to you to tell us about Kindred. Octavia E. Butler, she died when she was only 58, and this was book was written back in the 70s, and it's set in 1976. And it sounds unlikely. Well, it is unlikely. It's fiction. Uh, it's, it's an African-American woman called Dana, and she lives in on the West Coast, and they move into a new house, her and her white husband. And she starts finding herself shunted through time back to pre-Civil War America during the time of slavery. And what happens is she's being drawn back to save the life of one of her ancestors. But the ancestor's white. He's a slave owner. So she's having to travel back in time, save him, and then often she gets stuck there in the time of slavery, being forced to work as a slave. Uh, At one stage in the book, her white husband also travels back. Um, Obviously, he's a very different experience. And it sounds like such a kind of trivial way of dealing with a huge subject like slavery. And yet somehow, I, I just think it's brilliant. It's so kind of visceral. And you're seeing the experience of slaves through the eyes of a modern black person, which somehow, I don't know, makes it more horrific. Um, And although it's science and fantasy, uh, which I never really enjoy very much, uh, this is a good one. It's it's beautifully written. And if you can't bother to read it, it's going to be a television series soon. And I think it will suit the episodic. (laughs) Because she keeps going back in time and back and back. So it will it will suit uh, episodes. But uh, yeah, Kindred, Octavia E. Butler, I'm done. Oh, fantastic. There you go. Excellent. Oh, that sounds yeah. awesome. With a minute and a bit to go. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, we'll come back and talk about it in a little bit more detail, Graham, in just a moment. But have a rest now. Have a sip of tea and have a breather. And uh, Dawn, I'm putting three minutes back on the clock for you. And before okay. we set it off, tell us the book you're putting forward, please. 
The book that I've chosen is called Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor, Taylor Jenkins Reid. Fabulous. All right, three minutes on the clock. Over to you. This was by far my favourite book of the year. I flitted between reading it and the audio book, and it's one book that I would say the audio is an absolute treat. It is about a fictional band from the 60s up on the Sunset Strip, and the book is written in interview form. So it's interviews way in the future about the band back then. And it is sexy and rock and roll and filthy and nostalgic, and it's everything that I dream that my life would have been if I was in a rock band back in the 60s and it is you can tell that it's influenced by Stevie Nicks and the interpersonal relationships within the band um but it gives you everything you'd want from it and it was so real the characters were so real and the writing was so brilliant that I found myself I kept wanting to google it go is this actually has she fictionalised an actual band? And I wanted to listen to all the music. So it's coming out as a TV show. And I think one of the things that I'm most excited about is that it's going to have soundtracks. So it should be original um, songs that we heard the lyrics a lot in the book, which I think is the best possible um, what we can imagine for an adaptation to bring it to life is going to be incredible. Daisy Jones is this kind of stick-thin, sexy, smoking, cool as hell, you know, um, singer who just turns up and sings for this band one day and then she's in the band. And it's all its all just so slutty. I love it. There's affairs, there's pregnancies, there's shotgun weddings, there's inappropriate sex, there's drugs. I mean, it literally, if, if you've ever fantasized about being a rock star in the 60s, then it really is the book. It reads really nicely off the page. It's an incredible audio book. It's totally my book of the year and maybe I'll do one really long pause but I'm done <laughs> understood very good I love it both chose to do the sort of the two minute mark pitch why okay. why take any more time love it's it all you need um ah oh, brilliant um two fabulous choices two great pitches um yes I I was so lucky I got asked to interview Taylor Jenkins Reid for this book before it come out when she first came over to the UK for right. sort of an industry thing you know publishers and I did the same thing as you and googled some of the people yeah and it's I hard was to like, believe no, not what real. I, it's and so I was literally good. like what am I doing you idiot it's, um, <laughs> I have to say but, when Dawn when you said the title I thought it was going to be about a girl's sixth form boarding school <laughs> Yeah, oh, right. well, <laughs> Daisy, Daisy in, the six. in the sixth form. <laughs> yeah, from the, and written in. I thought it was going to like a, a pastiche. Yeah. yeah, you know, Daisy pulls it off. Yeah, Daisy pulls it off. Um, Graham, I truly, truly believe that you'd really enjoy this book. It's no, really, it sounds, it yeah, sounds great. great. Have you, have you read Utopia Avenue? I have. Um, not. Yes, um, by David, by David Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah, Ooh. it's. I mean, it's not the same, but it, it's set in the '60s and it's great. Yeah. It's about a band oh, being formed in the '60s. Yeah, and what the, really and good. the difference there is with David's book, Graham. He actually has the re- real life people like David Bowie, etc., there, doesn't he, on the page and in within the fictional story. Great. Yeah, and he's got a he's got a Spotify playlist that you should listen to while you're reading the book, and he's really gone to town. He's That's on, fantastic. On it. Yeah, yeah. I think you will like this book, actually, Graham. It's um, no, it sounds great. It's, it's yeah. so easy to read, isn't it? And and like you said, it's written as those sort of interviews, um, which I just thought was really just really interesting and and different at the time. Um, <laughs> I've written down in quite big letters here, slutty and sex. Um, so yeah, that's that's always a seller, isn't it? Um, and I think you're right. I think it just felt very real. I think it felt like she, the she got the authenticity without actually having to sort of describe her characters, you know, in prose on the page. But actually, yeah. you sort of knew them all from these interviews, which is a very clever thing. Well, you know, when it, when an author has chosen a device, um, and I remember when. Uh, about 10 years ago quite a few books written as email conversations there were even a few books written as tweets and it was fine I thought that was really fun that authors were experimenting with different formats but they don't really stick because ultimately it's you know prose is always probably going to win when you're reading a novel but um, she absolutely (laughs) nailed this she really did there's another book of hers called um, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo oh yeah is mm. also fantastic. She again, it's written as an interview. She's she's or she's the Evelyn is telling her life story later on about all these husbands. That she, it's so good. She's definitely what I love about it. It's kind of that Jackie Collinsness. She's got her intel from somewhere, like you know that she's 
um, these celebrity marriages that she's writing about or, you know, this band. She's, it's, it's not, I just don't believe it's all out of her head. She's, she's, got, mm. she's got some proper research in there, which is juicy and, a, and great. As a sort of um, Los Angeles lover, as I am, um, it's great to read about that sort of whole Sunset Strip and the 60s and it's 70s so and stuff you know it's like oh yes I, re- I I know it well um it's just really great isn't it so I, yeah. I loved your pitch for that because um I do know that book I've read it and everything and and everything you said I thought yeah that's right but so I, I, don't... Know, I know this isn't actually a competition but did I win that then well yeah not, you don't know <laughs> yes you, you do. don't know yet you don't know yet. I love I love Dawn I know this isn't a competition but uh but who's well, the winner it's a competition it is in a way um yeah Although I know that I don't know Kindred, I have to say, I, I, I should, Octavia E. Butler, and um, you've absolutely sold it to me there, Graham. Um, what a, a fabulous-sounding novel. Well, I, here's the thing. I sh- I, a word of warning, should anyone pick it up, and this isn't a spoiler because it is in, I think, the first page. Okay. That, that you just... Cause, and, it's, and it's set, you know, uh, it, it's set... You, you meet the characters at the end of all of... Okay. Well, everything that happened to them, going back and forwards in time. And uh, Dana, the lead woman, very early on, I think within the first paragraph, you know she's missing an arm. And so it is a very violent book and it's very, you know, some of it is a very tough read. And I found myself kind of braced for the horror of the arm. Relax, reader. Okay. Okay. It, it, it something else happens. Okay, right, so right. It's right. not as brutal as you think it's going to be. But yeah. and I kind of spoiled it for myself, kind of you know reading it through my fingers, kind of going, oh god, is this is this the arm? Is this the arm? And uh, it it isn't. So yeah, but it's. But I, I love the fact that it sort of made it not made you, but that you've picked up a you know a sci-fi fantasy that you probably wouldn't normally go to as a as a read and you've loved it you know i think that's yeah brilliant. no absolutely uh, somebody recommended it and it's um and it is very well written and you know and it's no accident that she sets it in uh 1976 because it's the bicentennial so she's you know really and the only the odd thing of course reading it in 2022 is that she paints such a rosy picture of uh you know race relations and equal rights mm. in 1976 it's like utopia <laughs> everything's great then and uh you're thinking well, not, not so sure octavia yeah. Uh, yeah. how great everything was but but it still works as a device it's a really clever device yeah it sounds it and as you say it's probably going to make a cracking tv show an episodic yeah, uh, yeah i think drama. so um yeah. it because it's uh, and also that I love that weird uh, conflicted thing where you're saving this man you hate yes in order to save yourself yes yeah. it's such a kind of weird you know because he had an affair with slaves and so she is an ancestor of of, of his yeah. um, and without him she won't exist and and she you know and she figures it out as the book goes on that's what's mm. happening and uh yeah, to say conflicted is uh, yes, on well, the selling right. it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to order that right now. That yeah, I've awesome. written it down as well. It sounds absolutely brilliant. Um, and if you had a say, Dawnin, who might do the original soundtrack for uh, the TV adaptation of Daisy Jones and the Six, who, who's who's your money on? Or who would you like to see? Oh, God. I mean, it just it, it's in my head, it sounds like Fleetwood Mac. So it's, yeah. it's that, it's that so kind it's of vibe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it would be great if they've done the soundtrack. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they have. I'm not, I'm not sure they've <laughs> signed up for it, probably, but you never yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. But that's who you, that's who you've got in your head. And that's, and not the necessarily that Daisy Jones is like Stevie Nicks, but it's just, it, there's just something about the time that just, it feels very much like that. The sound of the music, I think, lends itself to that. And sorry, Don. Are the interviews taking place now? So is it all them looking back on what yes. happened? So, so it's like one of know, those oral histories they do in Vanity Fair and stuff. Yeah. So you've got like the old guys, like you know, the kind of troubled main guy in the bar in the in the band who just um, was a bit like bitter and uh, was an addict and had his own had an affair and all this kind of stuff. And he's like looking back and analysing himself. And it's 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 really well done. It's it's yeah. It's as if they're being interviewed now. Very, very and the special. View, the viewpoints, you know, differ. They misremember and stuff, don't they? Um, There's a bit of misremember. Oh, I love that. Anyway. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So I Lots think you'll like that. it, Graham. I think you would. Yeah, no, it sounds great. 
Um, I love the sound of both of these, and thank you so much for for these brilliant pictures. Um, look, because because I've because I've read it, I'm 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 going to take Kindred instead. I think that's going to be my winner, and a worthy it does winner. Sound fantastic, for, because it sounds amazing <laughs> wow. and just that and just very clever and uh, like it's probably a, a very important book to to read also but i would I'll buy you a drink say... in tunbridge wells dawn <laughs> thanks it's gonna take me a so while can... to get over this <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would also say to go and for anyone that hasn't read daisy jones of the six i think you know it's a great novel and probably a lovely time to read it now as we're uh, certainly in the UK, seeing the nights draw in, it's a lovely sort of sunny California read. So it'll exactly. make, it'll make and us all also feel a just bit warmer. Because it's always just so when it, they're both, I think, going to be by the sounds of Kindred, going to be quite big TV series, and it's always lovely to have read the book first, isn't yes. it? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, um, two brilliant books. So thank you for those. And here's another two that I can recommend: Forever Home by Graham Norton, which is out now, and it's published by Coronet. And Cat Lady by Dorno Porter. It's out on the 27th of October here in the UK and it's published by HarperCollins. And what an absolute pleasure to have you both here on the podcast. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your pictures. And uh, here's to Tunbridge Wells, eh? I'll see you there. Woo! <laughs> Thanks so much. That was so fun. The excitement. All right. Thank you so much, Joe. Bye. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 